Women Taking the Lead, Episode 220. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. If you believe in your heart that uh, this is the right thing, you know, whatever it is, you do it. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Something I have come to truly appreciate about this community is your disinterest in the status quo. The more I get to exchange messages and talk to each of you personally, the more I appreciate that this community is full of women who want to hit new levels in their careers and their businesses. Not only that, you want to have an impact and make changes that have a ripple effect. I also know you're often on the lookout for new programs that can help you accomplish these goals, and I've got a hot one for you. Seth Godin's Alt MBA Workshop is an intensive leadership and management workshop designed for women like you. This is an intensive and supportive program that will have you working with other ambitious change makers from all over the world. With a 96% completion rate, you can trust that you are going to get your money's worth. They're now accepting applications for the summer and fall sessions. And to find out more, visit altmba.com. That's A-L-T-M-B-A.com forward slash women taking the lead. For special consideration, you can mention this podcast in their application and tell them Jody Flynn sent you. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be bringing you the male perspective today. This podcast isn't just about women helping women. It's my philosophy that it's going to take both genders working together to see more women stepping up as leaders. We can gain a lot of insights from men. So I interview men who work with women around their leadership development. And as our guest today, we have Joe DeSena, who is the founder and CEO of Spartan Race, the world's leading obstacle racing company. Following several successful entrepreneurial adventures and a career on Wall Street, Joe moved his family to Pittsfield, Vermont to operate an organic farm, a bed and breakfast, and a general store for hikers. It was here his passion grew for ultramarathons, adventure races, and endurance events. His racing resume is the stuff of legend. Over 50 ultra events overall and 14 Ironman events in one year alone. And it was in Vermont the idea for the Spartan race was born. And now, with more than 200 events and over 30 countries planned for 2017, Spartan Race has more than 1 million global participants offering open heats for all fitness levels and ages, as well as competitive and elite heats. The company has two popular NBC television series, making obstacle racing one of the fastest growing sports and lifestyles in the world. Joe's message of inspiration and personal transformation combined with his status as a two-time New York Times best-selling author of Spartan Up and Spartan Fit makes him a popular keynote speaker and public figure. And Joe currently is living in Tokyo, Japan with his wife, Courtney, and their four children, but they're just about to make a move. And if you can hear it in my voice, for those of you who've been listening to this podcast for any time, I am like completely immersed in my training for the Spartan race. So I'm Super excited to have Joe here. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today because I know you are super busy. And if you could, tell us a little bit more about you so everyone has a good sense of who they're listening to right now. Yeah, sure. I mean, you you did a great job. My 
head is swelled. I'm probably not going to be able to get out of this room. That was great. Thank you for that. Um, no, I, I come from Queens. I fought my way into college. They didn't accept me. My grades weren't that good. And um, ultimately ended up on Wall Street as a means to an end. And then, as you said, we bought a farm. We grew chickens, flowers, uh, vegetables, and kids. And, um, and then we moved to Asia. Uh, that's, the, that's the abridged uh, version. And, you know, this, this thing called Spartan has just exploded. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I was actually with a woman today that it, it just transformed her life. She, she's in Tokyo here for, for a week and had to come meet, um, come meet me, which was an honor. So it's just been an incredible ride. Yes. You know, the sense I get from you, Joe, you're, you're a very humble guy who has a lot of like awesome and crazy things happening all around you. And do you get a sense that it's because you do stay so grounded that you're able to just like keep perspective, even though, you know, Spartan Race is, like you said, it's just exploding right now. Yeah, I, um, you know, in the neighborhood I grew up in, there were, uh, it was a very Italian neighborhood and I had the opportunity, I used to clean swimming pools. So I had the opportunity to look into a lot of families' homes, uh, literally like go in and sit on the couch and eat dinner with them because I was, I was in their home and this happened over 12 years. I started it in my preteens, this business. And so I, like Bruce Lee would take the good and discard the bad and really just, um, I saw so many people uh, go up and down, you know, late 80s through um, the, the 2000s, um, really where they, they were very successful and they weren't successful. They had great marriages. They didn't have great marriages. They got into drinking or alcohol, drugs. Um, and so I guess that keeps you grounded because you realize no matter where you are in life, um, it's only a few steps uh, away from where you came from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What a great opportunity you had to really look at the people who were probably living lifestyles or people you admired and, you know, wanted to emulate. Like, how were they living? Like, what were their habits? What were their values? And you probably weren't thinking about it on that level, especially in your teenage years. But you were still soaking it up and taking it in and noticing how, you know, people with certain behaviors and lifestyles, they weren't so happy you know, and, or they weren't doing well versus the people who had great habits, you know, great behaviors, like held to a certain standard. What a great life lesson to have at such a young age. I wish, I don't even know how I'm going to give my kids that opportunity or other kids because um, it's everything you just said. It was the ability to see uh, how people live in a manner that produces great results versus not so great results versus mediocre results. And, and um, I chose to, to try to emulate the ones that produce great results. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, Joe, to really kick this off, start with um, telling us a story about a woman who's impacted you as a leader. Hmm, my mom. Hmm. My mom was, um, was amazing. She's no longer alive, but she, if she was, I'd, I'd be saying the same thing. And she... Uh, in the 1970s, I was born in 69. In the 1970s, she uh, stumbles into a health food store. And, and we're, again, we're in an Italian neighborhood where the conversation is either cement, jail, or raviolis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. Those are all the conversations. And she stumbles into a health food store and finds a yogi and, uh, in the back of the store who happened to just fly in from India and she goes hook, line, and sinker into you know meditation, becomes a vegan, um, gets into teaching yoga, and this is early days. 
And the entire neighborhood, my family, you know, they get divorced. My, my, my parents get divorced. My, everybody um, basically closes the door on her because she's considered a nutcase, including my friend's parents, right? I mean, this is so far out there. This is not 2015 where Whole Foods is on every corner and this is normal stuff. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't California. So, um, so anyway, I watched her for 20 plus years buck uh, normalcy. And, and basically um, rip people literally off their couches like we talk about at Spartan and get people healthy and eating right and thinking right. And there were monks in our living room. And, and so for me, you know, when you ask that question, it's like you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. If you believe in your heart that uh, this is the right thing, you know, whatever it is, um, you do it. And, and even if the whole world, your world is against you. So that was very... I can't say it was inspiring at the time, right? Because I I had the crazy mom. Right, right. Um, but she definitely uh, was an incredible leader. And she, I mean, at her funeral, uh, and I'm not just saying it because I'm her son, there had to be 500 people there. It was, it was unbelievable. So, um, and she wasn't, she didn't have any money. She uh, taught some dance. She taught some yoga. She just... Um, really liked uh, this whole idea of, of, of being healthy, being the best version of yours you could be, wasn't stuck with one religion, which, again, it was Catholicism. I mean, we went to Catholic school where we came from, but then she, you know, she opened up her mind and perspective, and it became like, you just got to do good. You don't, it doesn't matter. Like, we don't have to fight with each other because a person likes this religion, doesn't like that religion, doesn't believe in it. And, um, and so very inspiring. Yeah. And I, I was born in 74. So we, we grew up pretty much in tandem in the same time period. And I completely agree with you like that. That was not the way like be like even recycling. I was talking about this recently, like the fact that we recycle as much as we do now, like when Earth Day came around, like that was like people thought that wouldn't last for very long. Like it was just so out there. You, you might not remember this, but it had to be mid-70s, you wouldn't remember. You would drive behind people in Queens in the New York area, and including our own, you just throw it out the window. Yeah. You literally, just, I mean, it seems foreign or crazy right now. Everybody just threw garbage on the ground. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> I know. And I never heard of a vegan until, like, it was in the 90s. I think it was around, like, 97, 98. Like, I was introduced to somebody, and somebody whispered to me, like, he's a vegan. Like, <laughs> and, and that was the experience I had. Like, it still sticks to me to this day because I was like, what is that? Like, I thought it sounded like an alien right. from outer space. And how did your mom have the 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 grit? To, you know, in the face of everybody just thinking she's crazy to live the way she wanted to live. By the way, I mean, talk about grit, right? Her kids thought she was crazy. We weren't accepting it. Her parents weren't. No one was accepting it. She was a crazy person. Uh, the, the jokes were nonstop about our mom. And so, um, yeah, uh, cra crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, do, you, do you remember some of the things she would say? you know, that kind of backed up why she was living that way? Um, well, I mean, she, she didn't believe in, you know, we couldn't really focus uh, and revolve around material things. She, the, the interesting thing wasn't where she got to, uh, you know, the question you just asked is like, what, mm -hmm. what, it, was ha it was that switch from where we were 
to where she got, like, how do you do that, right? How do you just shut everything off and say, no, um, the way we've been living is the wrong way and we're going this way and I don't care if everybody uh, tells me otherwise. Yeah, it sounds like a resolve. It was, um, yeah, it was amazing. But she, she went to India many times and um, it was, I wouldn't be the person I am if she didn't, if she didn't do it and she didn't uh, push um, against all odds. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I admire people so much. And I on occasion, I've been able to do it. Like when I decided I was going to run a marathon, like that was it. Like it was going to happen. And so much of my energy went towards I want to have a good run that day. So I'm going to do everything in my power to have a good run on that day. And it sounds so simple, but so much in my life changed around that focus, you know, my eating, my lifestyle, my exercise routine, my mentality completely changed. I was better able to maintain a a positive mindset because when, and you know, you could speak to this for days when, when you're training for an endurance event or you're running an endurance event, you have to keep your thoughts positive or it will negatively impact you know, your performance. And so that practice of constantly like, okay, focus on the positive, focus on the positive, focus on the positive. Like my mindset after that race was just incredible. And I so admire people who like suddenly decide and commit to like, this is what I'm doing. Like, it almost doesn't matter if everyone around you thinks you're crazy or, or like what you're doing is not the way it should be done. You're so confident in yourself that you've made the right decision that you, you just go full force to get it done. No, no doubt about it. It is all about commitment. And, and, uh, you know, if you just commit to yourself, uh, most people can't stick to it. So I like to tell people, uh, commit publicly, because if you do that and you've got some integrity, you, you don't want to fail in front of people. And so you'll, you'll more likely stick with it. Yes. Okay, Joe, what is something that you've seen tends to hold women back? I think women or men, at the end of the day, it's uh, just not believing in themselves, right? And so if you believe in yourself, like let's, let's use the example of my mom, you're going to uh, push through even when the odds are against you because you're convinced that you're going in the right direction and you're going to get this done. And so... I've got more women working with me than I do men, and it's always been that way. Uh, Maybe it's because of my mom being my idol. Um, And so I don't really look at uh, women versus men. I just look at great people. Mm -hmm. And and so the number one thing that holds people back is just not believing in yourself, right? You're going to pick a direction and you're hopefully right 51% of the time. We're not always right. All of, you know, no matter how smart we are, we all make mistakes. Um, but I, but I, think, I think people that get stuck and can't push forward and talk themselves out of things because they don't believe in us, I think that's the number one inhibitor to, mm-hmm. to being successful. Yeah, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but it, you know, in, in the course of your career and your life, when you've come across people who who've sought out your help and they weren't believing in themselves, like what guidance did you give them? Well, so, you know, the, the best way and we, we have a million people a year doing our races right now. And I've got mm-hmm. uh, moms and monks and kids and grandparents and fat people and skinny people and tall and short. And I bring them up to the farm, typically in Vermont. It's 
been a little challenging since I'm in Asia. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and you just put them through hell. And, and for you, it's going to be the Spartan race you have up and coming. And, and people, people tend to build obstacle immunity, uh, I call it. And, and, you know, success breeds success, right? So I've heard tens and thousands of these stories through, through Spartan, but, but you get through something rough, a rough patch, and, and, and again, whether it's a race or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you come out the other side and you say, oh, my God, I'm tougher than I thought. I can do this. It's not so bad. I've got a different perspective, right? I, I, I joke mm-hmm. all the time that if you, let's use um, the gender you're focused on, let, you're a woman, you're growing up mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe, you're taking cold showers every day because that's all you have, right? Times are tough. You've got minimal food. And, and you're thinking of starting your own business. You live in New York now. Are you, can you imagine that person that I just described being afraid of the problems or start? No way. They grew up in hell, right? So, so the point is, if, if, you, if you didn't grow up that way, what I suggest to people is you have to manufacture some adversity. We live in the first world. We, don't, we, we have everything at our fingertips, the creature comforts. Manufacture some adversity. You're going to do it. You're going to a Spartan race. We do it every day for people. Get through some tough times. It changes your perspective. And all of a sudden, whatever it is that's holding you back, it's no big deal anymore. You know, they interviewed 1,700 elder, elderly people, 70 and 80-year-olds. And they, and they asked them, you know, what was the one thing you regret? And, and by and large, it's, it, what they heard over and over was, we shouldn't have worried so much. The worrying was useless. Mm. Right? And so let's take that to heart and, and not worry about what people are going to think or whether or not we're going to fail. Just do. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Joe, I, I love that that you've been saying this because you're backing up what I've been saying. <laughs> Isn't it so true? We love yeah. what people like when people affirm what we've been putting out there and what we believe and what I've been sharing with on this podcast is, you know, my realization in the past year or two that, okay, we're waiting to feel confident so that we can take action. But what we don't realize is confidence comes after you take the action. Right. So the, for me, the Spartan race, I'm very nervous, right, and excited about competing in the Spartan race in a month. And but I know that at the end of that race, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be sore. I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to have all those things going on. But at the at my core, I'm going to feel amazing because the, the thought that's going to shine through all of that is I did it. Yeah, no, but, but you don't know that until you've gotten through. You know, the boxers, um, fight, you know, fighters, they used to give them, and they probably still do, a couple of easy wins before they do the big fight because success breeds success, right? And so all, all that nervousness and, and um, uncertainty stems because you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and so you probably got to get a few things under your belt, build a little success. The brain has something called future memory. So when you get through something and you fight through it, whatever it is, a, a, a math quiz, a 5K, um, dating somebody, whatever it is that makes you know, you get, you get to the other side, your brain releases all kinds of chemicals. Well, it then releases a little bit of those chemicals to give you a taste the next time you're about to do something challenging. And so um, success literally breeds success. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what I took from yeah everything you've been saying, like if somebody's listening to this and you know you struggle with believing in yourself, you have to manufacture some adversity and initially make it something small and build upon it so you can build upon the wins and the success. And before you know it, you are going to develop that belief in yourself and you can do the next big thing and the next big thing. And Joe, I know just from, you know, what what you described, you work with mostly women. There are tons of women signing up for Spartan races and coming to you for guidance and mentorship. And what I know about mentorship is it's not a one way street. You know, as the mentor, we get as much from the relationship as the person we're mentoring. So what what have you learned from the women you've mentored? Um, Well, first of all, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast, women are tougher than men, hands down. Um, and it's probably, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but it's probably biological, right? I mean, you're, you're prepared to give birth and that's a pretty tough, uh, nine month process. And mm-hmm. so, um, I've seen more men, I'll give you the greatest story ever of, of my hero, uh, outside of my mom is a woman, uh, named Amy, uh, Palmieri and, uh, she's missing a leg from a motorcycle accident and I was putting on a death race. It was probably 2009 or 10. And I had athletes going into a frigid lake, a hypothermic lake. And they had to swim, you know, a three-quarter mile loop and then come back and do a task and head back out three times. And they had to be done with this by 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Well, at 1.01, two six-foot Marines, big you know, strappy guys and Amy come out of the lake and all three of them missed the cutoff by less than a minute. And I told them with a straight face, sorry, you guys are out of the race. Now, that's painful because they had been already going for, let's say, 36 hours, right? So you put all this time and all this training, you told all your friends what you were doing and you just missed it by under a minute and you're out. Your dreams are shattered. And the two Marines hit the ground, and they literally started crying in front of me. Amy takes her leg off, her prosthetic leg, dumps the water out, puts it back on and says, Joe, do you mind if I continue for the next 24 hours anyway? Of course I'll be unofficial because you just disqualified me, but I'd like to get the next 24 hours in anyway. And she walks off. And, and so, um, oh my God. Right? Forget about me mentoring. <laughs> like, you see that? And I tell that story. She inspires me. She sends me an email every week. How you doing? Um, I'm the one that has to send out 600 emails a day, making sure everybody else is motivated. She's, she motivates me. So um, it's, nice, it's nice to see women, and it happens all the time. It's not just Amy, that you just put on this path that you and I are talking about here, and they, um, they get it instinctually. I think... I think a lot of us, women and men, have learned helplessness because of this bubble that we all live in in the first world. And, but once you take a woman and a man, well, a woman is going to just thrive in that environment. And, and it's probably because of her biology. Yeah. And I don't disagree with you. Men are, you know, designed to be stronger and more cardiovascular, but women are designed with a higher pain threshold. Um, So that is absolutely true. And oh my God, I like that story brought me to tears. (laughs) Like that is so amazing because like, don't we want to be that person who no matter what we're faced with in the moment thinks, well, this isn't going to stop me. This isn't a reason to stop. 
you know, that just is unflappable and is like, okay, can accept reality. Like she absolutely accepted the reality of the situation and was able to move on and decide, well, what do I want in the face of this? And what she wanted was to finish the race. I have, um, I got to tell you another story. I have a, a, a guy that I, I did a podcast with who decided to row a rowboat from San Francisco to Hawaii. And his wife was dead set against it. He was a CEO and founder of a company. And, but they had, you know, they had the opportunity. They didn't have children yet. And you know, they bought a really fancy boat. They trained and they headed out. And within the first week, they got blown off course by about a week. In other words, it was hundreds of miles. A storm rolled in. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. The boat wasn't working properly, etc. And what happens? Uh, he starts crying and breaks down and decides he's going to quit, the husband. The wife, who did not want to come on this trip, grabs him, slaps him, and says, you get your you know, blank together. We are doing this because we committed and they rode for another, I'm going to, 50, 60 days, I forget the distance, um, you know, the amount of time they're out there, and got it done. And so another example of, um, oh, right, she had no business rowing across the Pacific. She didn't want to do that. But once she was in there, um, she got it done. Yeah, this is what's happening. So we're doing this. We're doing I love this. That. I love that. And Joe, what what changes, if any, do you see are necessary for more women to step up as leaders? You know, I think I think women um, need to believe in themselves. We talked about that earlier. They um, have to stop talking about this glass ceiling and all the things that. Um, could go wrong or do go wrong or that exist in the environment and really just take control. You know, I have a lot of employees, men and women, that say to me, um, oh, well, you know, I don't know about this opportunity. I said, let me tell you something. Um, you take, uh, you make opportunity. You just take the reins and make stuff happen. There's no business person in his or her right mind that is running a company that doesn't just seek out and want to... Um, want to celebrate the people that get stuff done and crush it. So I think a lot of times this is really manufactured in the employee's head, a male or, or a female. And, and I think you need to shake that off and just realize that um, it's very hard to get a great employee. It's very hard. And so if you are a great employee, if you contribute to the company, um, get, shake that stuff out of your head. It will be recognized. It might not be as fast as you like, but that happens to men too. I mean, I, it's been 17 years of building this business. Last year was the first time I got a salary check. I could complain about all the things outside of me that caused that. No, ultimately it's me. Mm -hmm. Right? I love that story, Joe. I remember um, I had a friend who was starting a new job in a company. And after like a week or so, I was like, how are things going? And she had this list of all the things that she didn't like about the working environment and how they were doing things wrong. And it could have been so much more efficient. And she was kind of, you know, just in this mentality of being put upon. And I was like, oh, my God, this is your chance. This is where you bring value. Start making like positive suggestions of how like improvements can be made and things can be more efficient, how you can save the company money or improve productivity, you know, like that's so exciting. And she just looked at me like I had horns coming out of my head. 
she's like, I don't know how long I'm going to last there. So I, I, I'm not sure about it. I was like, whoa, opportunity missed right there. Wow, that's right. And, and, and you know, what, what, what was it Thomas Edison that said um, something to the effect of, I'm going to screw this up, but like opportunity is disguised in overalls or is dressed in overalls and disguised as hard work. That's why everybody misses it. Yes. Right? So, yep. No, that's it. In a nutshell, Ma- male, male or female, in, in my opinion, I, I'm sorry if I'm insulting uh, somebody out there by saying this, but, but um, it's 20% of the people in any workplace do 80% of the work. So, um, you know, unless your leader, manager, owner is a screwball, uh, they recognize people that get stuff done and work hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So get it out of your head and just push forward. Yeah. The, like if you're a hard worker, you're going to make your boss's life easier. How could they not recognize that? I, I give the keys to anybody. doesn't matter. Male, woman, it does not matter. I, right. want, I want people that do a great job. <laughs> That's awesome. And Joe, let's focus on you for a bit. What is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? I'm writing a, a third book um, called Spartan X, which is basically going to help people hopefully 10x their life. And it, it comes down to 10 principles, a lot of the stuff we're talking about here. So that's super exciting. Um, we're working on getting uh, obstacle racing into the Olympics. And then there's still probably 20 countries we've got to get Spartan into. Um, it's overwhelming. I mean, I could talk to you for 14 hours about all the stuff I have going on. But... but um, I just put one foot in front of the other and I'm just trying to move move it forward and, and get people healthy. I, my idea this week um, was to verbalize this concept around, you know, we, we don't measure profitability um, in a normal way at Spartan. We measure it in number of lives changed. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a lot, it's difficult to explain that to my investors who, who want uh, profitability, but, um, but it's a good way to measure the success of this company. So everything I'm doing, everything I'm working on is, is to change lives. Mm-hmm. And I have some follow-up questions for you, Joe, but I, first I want to underscore, for those of you who are listening, here's, here's an opportunity that might look like it's coming in overalls, right? Because it's work. If you are able to help Joe achieve his goals, you, you can see a way that you can contribute. Please reach out to him. You know, this is how you show your value. This is a huge opportunity right here. Cause I bet there's somebody listening to this conversation right now that could probably help get, you know, Spartan into the Olympics or expand globally. If you're that person, don't miss this opportunity. And Joe, when do you um, plan for the book to come out? Books should come out in January if I get my act together. I've got to uh, finish up a bunch of writing. It's always a pain in the neck to get these things done. We've got version one. I got to get to like version ten before it's good. Yeah. Um, so just uh, hopefully hit January target. Awesome. And where are you in the process of getting uh, obstacle course racing into the Olympics? Where it's it's a long arduous process, but um, I had some meetings and and there's a chance that uh, 2024 could happen. So we'll see. That's amazing. And of the 20 countries you're looking to expand into, are there a few off the top of your head that you can share? Sure. The Nordics, um, all the Nordics, um, uh, Latin America, we're only in a few countries, so we've got to expand there. I still got a few more countries. I'm just getting going in the Philippines, um, in Asia, uh, Europe, uh, Greece, Switzerland, uh, just launching uh, Denmark, Brussels, 
So if you're if you're out there listening and these countries sound exciting to you and you can contribute, let's go. Yeah, awesome. Um, and Joe, how can they contact you if like any of these things they were like, I can help him with that? Joe at Spartan.com. Awesome. And Joe, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Yeah, I guess I guess the, the, the thing I repeat over and over every day, uh, God, for 20 years is it could be worse. You know, I think a lot of people um, immediately think to themselves, well, it should it should be better. Right. It shouldn't be raining right now. And my kids shouldn't be screaming or there should be Wi-Fi on the airplane. I don't know why. Maybe I was born this way. Maybe my mother drilled it into my head during all those years chanting in the living room with monks. But um, my mind immediately goes to, well, it could be worse, right? It could be snowing right now. I could be living in Siberia. My, my kids, God forbid, could be sick. I might be missing my fingers and toes. Um, and, and, you know, that, maybe that sounds like a bleak way to look at the world, but it makes me happy. Like whenever, whenever there's something going wrong, I completely reframe the situation, put on goggles, Spartan goggles, and have this new perspective that says, hang on a second, I need to appreciate what I have right now, right? And, and you know, I remember once I was in a race, it was like a 10-day race, and the bugs were relentless. You know, we've all had like a fly running around our head that drives us crazy. There were tens of thousands of bugs. For, it, it just was, it was torture, and I literally just changed my mindset and became, and this is going to sound like uh, I'm, I'm in Star Wars or something, I just became one with the environment and I just started to enjoy it. It was still at a deep level miserable, but I got through it. Mm-hmm. Yes. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. And that that's part of the coaching process that, that I utilize in my business is that you can feel joy no matter what. Yes. You know, you're not a victim to the circumstance. Yes, like you said, you were still dealing with the harsh reality and physical symptoms and all of that. But that did not mean you could not enjoy any part of the experience. You could actually really appreciate it, even in the midst of that. And that's the ultimate. If you can feel joy, even while experiencing misery, that's the epitome of being able to to live as a human being. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. That's our whole philosophy. Love it. And Joe, you gave your email, which is joe at spartan.com. How else can people best connect with you and and Spartan races? So they could um, uh, check out the books you mentioned, Spartan Up and Spartan Fit. They could um, check out the podcast, Spartan Up, uh, the podcast. I I sound silly, but I don't even know. I don't know how to do it, but I guess you go on YouTube or um, yeah. Something. If they're listening to this, they'll be able to find your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then Spartan.com is our website for the races. And, you know, if, listen, if you're a, a listener out there and you're having a tough time, you don't have the money, uh, you can't get to an event. Uh, for us, it's less about the money and more about helping people. So we'll always find a way to get you an entry and have you experience this. One last thing I'm going to say is um, we had, you're going to love this and we should, we should actually, I should get you some photos uh, for this podcast. It'll blow people away. We had an all-female race, 2,500 females in Saudi Arabia, first time ever. <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, please get me those pictures. Yeah, unbelievable. That's awesome. All right, and for those of you listening, you know you can find all the links and resources that Joe shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Joe, gosh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. We are all better for having met you. Thanks for having me.
Before we say goodbye, I want to give a huge shout out to Millie Welsh at Zebra Lab Web Solutions. She does the hosting for the Women Taking the Lead website, as well as the SEO and payment solutions. So if you need help with any of these things, contact Millie at zebralubwebsolutions.com. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.